name's Travis Sims, and I am the founder and CEO of AGC Accelerated Global Connections. And this is the AGC Experience. Our lives are a series of choices. Each choice leads to a result. Would you like to easily know which choices are the right life choices for you? If you've never met Amy Tyson, owner of Infinity Life Design, make it a priority to connect with her. Amy is a master of feng shui and batzi, which she calls destiny analysis. She assists her clients in understanding the hidden forces that are influencing their lives. A destiny reading with Amy is like reading a book all about you. She highlights which decisions will bring you to your fullest potential and which choices will lead you down a path of obstacles. If you're struggling with a challenge or you want to lift your life even higher, get connected with Amy and Infinity Life Design on facebook.com slash infinitylifedesign or subscribe to her online newsletter at infinitylifedesign.com and connect with your infinite life. Hey, thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm so excited to be here. I also want to thank AGC for the platform and the opportunity. I love what you all are doing. Um, so for, just as you said, my name is Shakira Edwards. I am a 20-something year old um, entrepreneur, multimedia broadcaster, um, podcast host, and journalist, and I reside in Los Angeles, California. Now, if you take a look at this flyer, it says career path, cross-country move. So I am definitely going to talk about those things today. However, I can't mention any of the achievements I've made in my 27 years on this earth without talking about the struggles, right? Um, the struggle, uh, the ability to bounce back and the power of resilience. So that's what I'm here to talk to you all about today. So for those of you who don't know, resilience is simply uh, the power, the strength to bounce back from um, rock bottom, right? We've all been in those situations where it looked like the world was about to end and it seemed that way, but it's that power that you find within yourself, that fight or flight to take everything by the horns and figure out a way to make it work. And I'd have to say that if you were to ask me what my most redeeming quality is, I would say resilience every single time. I know you all are thinking, you ask most 20-something year old women what their favorite thing about themselves is. They might say their smile or a redeeming body part or even their sense of humor, which don't get me wrong, is definitely top five on my list. But for me, time and time again, I will pick resilience. So I'm going to share my story with you all and explain why I pick res resilience and why it has gotten me to where I am today. So um, just to set the scene, I was born in the early 90s in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at Temple University. I was a seemingly healthy baby, despite the fact that I was born with crack cocaine in my system. Um, now, my very first chance at an intimate connection in this earth um, was taken from me, right? Um, when a baby is born, her mom, his or her mom holds them, looks them in the eye, names them. That entire experience was taken from me from the jump. From jump. Um, I was taken from my mother because she was a drug addict. And from what I've been told by many, the first 18 months of my life were um, a living hell, to say the least. My mother did eventually get me back. But my dad at the time had promised her that he would want little or nothing to do with her or me if she continued to use drugs uh, throughout her pregnancy and throughout my time on this earth. And she didn't listen. So my dad packed up his things and he moved across the country to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and began to start a new life. Now, for those of you, if you know any addicts in your life, whether they're addicted to drugs, sex, alcohol, gambling, you know that being an addict is a mental illness within itself. You also know that addicts typically choose their drug of choice over their loved ones time and time again. 
So at that time, that's exactly what my mother was doing. My dad and his girlfriend at the time, who I will later introduce in my story, would mail me clothes and toys and all these things, and my mom would sell them for drugs. F various family members would give my mom milk and baby formula to feed me, and my mom would sell these things and give me sugar water instead. So you can imagine my first set of teeth weren't the best, which is why, ironically, I love to smile today. Uh, but to say the least, the first 18 months of my life were fight or flight, meaning I didn't know it yet, but the odds were stacked against me, and baby Shakira did what she could to push through. Luckily for me, right before my second birthday, my mom decided that she wanted to change her life. She decided she wanted to go to treatment and do better so that she could be a better mother to me and to my siblings. So she gave my dad a call, who again was in Minnesota, and she said, hey, I need you to take care of our kid for three to six months. It'll be quick. When I get out, we can work this co-parenting thing out. Shakira can come back to Pennsylvania, and I'll be the best mother I can be. I just need three to six months. My dad said, why not? I should do that. As a father, this is my only kid. Um, I need to be there for her. Funny thing is that three to six months turned into 20 years. You heard it here correctly. I moved to Minnesota right before my second birthday and um, I didn't look back. My dad um, was my everything, right? Um, for those of you, again, who may not be aware, it is extremely unlikely um, for a black child to have a, a two-parent home, right? To have a present father in their life. But I just had, I had all of that. From the outside looking in, it looked like I was living the perfect life. My dad and his girlfriend, who I went on to call mom and still do, um, were raising me. We were middle class. We lived in the suburbs of Minneapolis. Life was good. We went to church every week. Um, you know, we got Christmas gifts. We seemed like a great, happy family, right? But inside, I can honestly tell you that I was suffering. Most people nowadays, you know, they make jokes, you make small talk and say you miss being a kid. I, for one, do not miss being a child. My childhood was filled with tests, um, and I was put in a lot of situations where I had to learn the power of resilience or the power to bounce back, like I said. Uh, throughout my childhood, I was molested by various family members, friends of family. Um, I was both verbally, physically, and emotionally abused by my mother. Um, and I had crazy abandonment issues when it came to my birth mother. So I was a very unhappy child. But again, you, you wouldn't know that from the outside looking in. Now school, that was another story. Um, like the host Denarius said, he, uh, we had the privilege of knowing each other for over 15 years now. And I just want to personally apologize because if you knew me from the ages of 10 to 16, um, I, I'm sorry. I was a very obnoxious kid. I had no filter. I had a big mouth, a uh, class clown. And for that, I got bullied often and I got in trouble even more. Um, so growing up again, like I said, my adolescence and my childhood weren't my fave. They weren't my fave years to say the least. But um, the thing that got me through my childhood truly was, uh, two things actually that got me through my childhood were things that my father instilled in me at an early age. The first thing my dad taught me is to exercise your freedom of speech. As a black woman in America, I am simply the last to be heard, right? That's just the way the cards are stacked against me. But my dad told me never to let that stop me from speaking up, right? 
for what I believe in and exercising that freedom of speech in a educated way so that people will listen. Um, I looked up to my dad in that aspect so much because when he got in front of a room of people and spoke, everyone listened, everyone gravitated. His word meant so much and I knew that I wanted to be just like him. Um, another thing that my father taught me that is still with me today is to be yourself. There are too many people on this earth to try to be anyone else when there's only one you, right? So I'm very, I've always been very true to myself. I, I've never been the type to switch up per se. What you get is what you get. And I have a very strong personality as my loved ones might tell me. So those are two things that kept me going through my rough childhood, um, continuing to be me regardless of what that meant and learning the importance and the power behind my freedom of speech. Um, now, my dad is by far one of my biggest influences because he grew up in Harlem, New York in the 50s in poverty. My dad was um, incarcerated for almost a decade. He was gang affiliated. He sold drugs. You name it, that man did it, right? But he turned his life around. He did a complete 180 and became not only a pillar in the community, but uh, a family man and a a mentor to others and I just loved the way that he was able to be so professional yet be himself. So again, I knew a couple things. I knew that I had a, one hell of a personality. I knew that I would always exercise my freedom of speech and I knew that I loved to talk. So you put all those things together and you get a recipe for a journalist, right? So I can remember specifically seventh grade. I was 12 years old. We had to do a project on what we wanted to be when we grew up. And I took out a newspaper clipping of both Oprah Winfrey and Ryan Seacrest and put them next together and said, that's what I'm going to be. And I'm going to do this in Los Angeles, California. So I've known for over half my life exactly what I wanted to be, who I wanted to be, and what I wanted to accomplish. I just wasn't too sure on how to get there. Now, through my high school years, I wasn't too involved with extracurriculars. I always had to babysit, and I had a very strict upbringing where I wasn't allowed to go to clubs and organizations. So um, what I would do for fun is just binge watch shows like TRL and 106 and Park and take notes on how to interview these celebrities and these people in the world and tell their story so that one day I could do the same. It wasn't until right after high school where my life began to get even more dark and I um, really decided and honed in on my talents. Um, <clears throat> as I mentioned before, my childhood wasn't my favorite, right? But high school was beginning to change. I was beginning to get a little more popular. People stopped bullying me. Um, I got a little, a little bit cuter. I think that helped. And life wasn't so bad. I was surviving. I was bouncing back, right? Um, and I, a couple days after my, my high school graduation, my parents came to me and said, hey, Shakira, we're getting a divorce. Uh, they hadn't been getting along, and my dad had started to dibble into some bad habits, and my mom wasn't having it. So she divorced my dad um, right before college started, the summer of 2011, right after high school graduation. And I was devastated because my dad was my best friend, and now he was out of the house, and her and I constantly bumped heads, and I was just devastated. I was pissed off. I was mad at the world. Um, and, of course, not shortly after kicking him out, I followed suit, right? Her and I got into the smallest fight ever and she kicked me out. So at that time, I was a very angry teenager. Here I was, 19 years old. And if you know anything about Minnesota winters, you know that you wouldn't wish homelessness on your worst enemy in Minnesota during the winter. But here I was, 19 years old, homeless, couch surfing, uh, didn't have a car, was making minimum wage at my job, and I hated my life. Um, I was still making sure to go to community college. I was there every day, Monday through Friday, 
half of my friends had dropped out, but I was determined to make it work. Um, I would have a daily commute of about three hours taking several buses to get to and from um, just so I could crash at a friend's house couch at the end of the night. And I was like, this is not it. This is not going to get me to Hollywood. I've got to make something shake. So naturally, um, I had to figure out a way to avoid homelessness. So um, I applied to the five colleges in the metropolitan area that would take my 2.7 high school GPA and St. Cloud State came knocking. I remember the day I got accepted, like it was yesterday, the mail got sent to my mom's house. I was super excited to go pick it up. She tossed the envelope at me, assuming it was a rejection letter. And I opened it, read it out loud, and gave her the smir a smirk that I'll never forget. I was going to a university. I wasn't going to be homeless. I was making it on my own without her help and direction. And I was so proud of myself. So if you know anything about St. Cloud, there's two things that are important for my story. One, it's a historically racist town. And two, the people in St. Cloud know how to party. So as a black woman with little to no self-discipline, coming from a strict background where I had a curfew and I wasn't able to go out, you may think it could have been a recipe for a disaster, but that's the thing about resilience and the power of bouncing back. Um, I had to fight a lot of demons my college years, but I flipped it and I made it work. And I can honestly say, college was the happiest time of my life. I made some lifelong friends. I joined several clubs and organizations from my school's Black Student Union to the radio station to the news station. I really figured out who I was and owned my personality and myself and um, what I believed to be my life's purpose and made the best of it. So college was my jam. It was amazing. Um, great time in my life. Things were going well with my boyfriend at the time. I had an amazing friend group. Uh, my mom and I had started speaking a little bit. Um, and my dad and I were on good terms, of course. Um, and then things began to change once again. My resilience was tested again. Um, shortly after my junior year of college, my dad called me and he said, hey, um, I'm moving back to Philadelphia to be with your birth mother. Um, I know what you're thinking. This sounds like a lifetime movie drama. It's uh, a crazy story, but it is a true one. My dad had rekindled his relationship with my birth mom, whom I hadn't spoken to since I was two years old, and decided that he wanted to pick up and leave Minnesota to go be with her. I was devastated. I had never felt so betrayed in my entire life. I didn't understand why he'd want to be with somebody who seemingly abandoned me and didn't look back. I didn't understand how he could just up and leave me when I didn't have anyone. Um, but if you haven't learned anything by now, you probably know that my dad was my best friend and I supported him. So I was pissed, but I supported the move. My dad went on to move to Philadelphia to be with my birth mom. Um, I went on to, you know, finish my junior year of college and then all hell broke loose. Um, and the summer of 2013, the day before my 21st birthday, I got a phone call that changed my life. I was told that my dad was in the ICU in critical condition fighting for his life and that I would need to make it to Pennsylvania as soon as possible um, because I was his only child and he wasn't married and somebody had to take him off life support. Very devastating, very hard time, very trying time in my life. Something that I'm still dealing with today, in fact, but um, losing my father taught me so many things. It taught me that I'm basically invincible. Um, it taught me about the power of forgiveness. Um, and it taught me about the power of rolling with the punches and really being able to bounce back. So within a span of six months, I was um, 
getting my dad cremated. I was unwillingly meeting my birth mother for the first time. And I was completely severing my relationship with my mom, who I had just felt had abandoned me. So my life was changing drastically and I still had one year of college to do. So um, a lot of things changed. I began to push people away. Uh, my boyfriend at the time was the main victim. He was completely pushed away. I began to change and I believe grow cold and become a version of myself that I did not want to be. I went on to live a life like that for about a year and a half. Um, I graduated college for my dad um, with a BA in um, broadcast journalism. Um, and I began to formulate this plan to go to Los Angeles and make it in Hollywood despite everything. Um, so things were looking okay, right? I had my college degree, I had a decent paying job, I had a car, um, but my insides were tarnished. I was extremely unhappy, extremely depressed, partying often, um, making connections with people, with temporary connections with people just to fill a void. And I was extremely unhappy. And that began to show on the outside as well. I eventually um, became homeless once again, was couch surfing, lost my job. Um, and then the icing on the cake is my car got repossessed. When that happened, I had to take a look in the mirror and decide what I was going to do, what was going to be the next step in life. I knew, like I've always known, that I wanted to move to Hollywood, right? That I wanted to be this great journalist and I wanted to do all these great things, but I was literally at rock bottom. I had nothing going for myself. I didn't even have a job. I had absolutely nothing going for myself. I was miserable in the cold state of Minnesota. I felt like I had no parents and I felt completely alone in this world. Um, and so I had to literally pick myself up by the bootstraps, shake myself and tell myself it's now or it's never. Um, and so I bounced back in that moment. I gathered what I could. I tried to work as many odd jobs as possible to save money. And I bought a one-way ticket to Los Angeles, California. Now this was a little shy of two years ago and I am still here. Um, by the grace of God and by my resilience and my power to, of bouncing back. So I've been in LA for two years now. Um, it has not been easy. This is an expensive place, but I'm so grateful that I made that move and that I continued to um, put my best foot forward and not give up despite all the things that have been thrown at me through this, li through this life. Um, being here the last few years, I've had the pleasure of doing numerous red carpet interviews, um, press junkets. I've interviewed people of the likes of Rachel Lindsay, who's the first black bachelorette. I've been guests on podcasts, um, had some viral moments interviewing um, people outside of Marathon Clothing, where I was able to break a story um, about gang violence. I've been able to do so many amazing things in my short time here in Los Angeles, in the middle of a pandemic, might I add. And I'm so grateful for these experiences. My biggest takeaway of my time here and just the life that I've lived thus far is uh, just as cliche as it sounds is to never give up. The things that my father instilled in me will be with me for the rest of my life. I'll pass them on to my kids and I hope that their kids do the same. And I can't wait um, for what else, you know, this world has in store for me. Um, lastly, I just want to say that this story was told, I decided to tell my story and share my trials and tribulations, not for pity, um, not to give somebody this idea that we're all, that I'm invincible, but to let everyone out there know that life is exactly what you make it, right? Um, bad things happen. 
This is not a movie. This is not a fairy tale. But it's what you do with those things and how the how you decide to roll the punches that really help shape who you are. So I'm grateful to be here. I'm very excited for the future and for what it has in store. And I urge anybody out there who's watching this and wanting to make a big cross-country move and chase their wildest dreams to do just that. Um, all you need is a positive mindset, your freedom of speech, and the ability to be yourself. Thank you.